Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio on June 7th, almost said July, June 7th, 2023. And I want to remind everybody that yesterday was the, I think, the 80th, 83rd, maybe, anniversary of D-Day. Okay, and it's easy to forget that, but that was an, an incredible event in human history, and certainly American history, and I don't want those people to too few of them left, okay, who fought there to be forgotten, okay? And speaking of not forgetting history, that's kind of what our show is about today. All right, I've got Jack Hanrahan here, John Hanrahan, officially. Jack is what he likes to be called. Jack uh, wrote a book, which is incredible. It's called Traveling Freedom's Road, A Guide to Exploring Our Civil Rights History. And he's been on several times before. We're going to keep bringing him on because nothing makes history coming come alive than actually visiting it. Okay, and Jack makes that possible. And civil rights history is incredibly important these days, I think more than ever, with some people trying to bury it, okay, and and make it a a big deal over uh, critical race theory, which doesn't even exist, etc. Okay, so this is important. It's important for all teachers. And and this is also a road guide. So as as, uh, you you buy the book, you can learn a lot about history. All right, but you can also actually travel to these places, most of which are down south, but Jack has almost every state that was involved in the civil rights history uh, and the movement uh, listed in there, things that you can do and see, et cetera. We're going to bring Jack on in just a second. Again, the book is called Traveling Freedom's Road. It's travelingfreedomsroad.com. Okay, and it's very important. We always talk about equity here with the American Consortium for Equity and Education. We want every kid to get the education they deserve. Okay, it's not equality, it's equity. Give every kid what they in particular need. And we can make that happen, and we are doing it, as a matter of fact. See what we do over at ace-head.org. We have a magazine that goes to K-12 teachers, pre-K-12 teachers, excuse me, and that's called Equity and Access. You'll see it there. It says, read the current issue of Equity and Access. It's a brand-new issue, our summer issue, and I think you'll really enjoy it if you go over there. Everything we do over there is free for educators, free for everybody. Okay, so please go over and check it out. All the stuff we do, our podcasts like this one are also archived over there. And also check out the awards at, um, icon over there. We have our Excellence in Equity Awards. All right, and, and educators can nominate their fellows for free. We're looking for companies, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody who's doing in our many, many categories, all right, everybody's doing work for equity in education in pre-K-12. So please check it all out. Again, all free over at ace-ed.org. All good stuff. And I'll, with, on that note, I'll say good morning to my returning guest and old buddy, Jack Hanrahan. Good morning, Jack. Hey, Larry, good morning, and thank you for having me on once again, and thank you for your listeners hearing about this important history. It is important history, and, and, you know, it's great that we're doing it now. Today's June 7th, so a lot of schools just got out. Other schools will be getting out at the end of the month, and people are planning trips, and this is a great way for everybody to actually touch history, all right? And as I say, more important now than ever. Okay, because they're trying to squelch it in some schools, and we don't want that to happen. It ne- it's never wise to put your head in the sand. Just ask any dead ostrich. The lion <laughs> ate him anyway. 
Okay, it's that simple. So don't put your head in the sand. That's what we got to teach people here. Jeff, just give us a quick overview of the book, Traveling Freedoms Road. Everybody can learn more at TravelingFreedomsRoad.com. Jack Hanrahan, you're on. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Larry. So a quick overview of the book would be the fact that it's a substantial product. It's over 500 pages. Most of the focus is on the South because that's where most of the activity in the civil rights uh, movement occurred. The first uh, several chapters help you plan this trip and get children and grandchildren ready for any encounter that they might have in a museum or at a site, help you explain using resources from uh, public broadcasting service, from many of the major museums, they oh. have guides for parents. They, they, uh, they know that this is tough history and uh, it's history that we should uh, be teaching our children. So the focus is primarily on about a dozen cities in the South, the Atlantas, Montgomery's, Selma, Birmingham, Memphis, Little Rock, Anniston, and so on and so forth, where there's a dedicated chapter to take you to the major places in each of those. Then beyond those dozen or so major sites, I take you to all the southern states, one chapter at a time, right. and in each of the state chapters, it will take you to different places around the state where civil rights history or African-American history um, uh, occurred, and why it's important and how to uh, visit those places. This is one of the things that makes this book uh, distinctive. Most of the um, content of other books focuses on the major cities, and I'm trying to show that this history occurred in a much broader geography. And then realizing that it's a long trip to go to the south if you live in Chicago or if you live in uh, on the west coast, uh, if you live in Maine, uh, like, like do, I do. Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, there are places locally where you can yeah. come yeah. to a better understanding of this history. And in taking the book outside the south, I focus on Washington, D.C., which I think we may talk about a little bit t today. I focus on um, uh, two-thirds of the other states um, to give you three to five places where you can uh, come in contact with this history. Uh, the book is $24.95. It's available on Amazon. It's available at your local bookstore. If you go on the website that Larry talked about, travelingfreedomsroad.com, it'll give you a number that you can give to your local bookstore so they can order the book for you if you choose to buy it locally and support your local bookstore, which is something that we try to do here at Traveling Freedoms Road. The, and I'll, I'll just say quickly, this is not an income-producing product for me. The profits from the book go to the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. That's Brian, Brian Stevenson's organization. Yeah, yeah. Fights for social justice in so many ways. And then my local legal aid justice center, where I have been a volunteer for over a decade, who does great work for low-income uh, Virginians. Um, that's and then I'll ask, in That's in Charlottesville. I we should mention that in Charlottesville. Thank you. Yeah, you're yeah, welcome, Charles. And um, the book has won uh, two uh, book awards for independently published books, which this one is. Uh, it won the best travel book from one of those competitions and the best African-American history and culture oh. from a different uh, independent wow. publishing awards. 
Yeah, Congrats, so I'm that's, really, that's super, man. That's got to be great. Uh, got to feel good about that. that. Yes. So um, yeah, no, I, I hope that wasn't too lengthy uh, an overview. It but, wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't. We got time. Don't worry. Even don't worry about it. I got this show set for a for a long conversation, Jack. It's okay. And you did a good job there. And you know the reason. By the way, Jack's been on several times. He'll be on more when we get to the fall and all that sort of thing to remind people about this. But we wanted to do this show in particular because we're in the year 2023. Okay, and nine, we haven't just focused on this kind of thing doing about this show, all right, uh, about this book. Um, 1963, 60, 60 years ago, okay, was a turning point year in civil rights history. And it's a good starting point just to mention the year, okay, and the 60th anniversary of what turned out to be a very pivotal year, okay, in, in the civil rights movement, okay, which, by the way, needs to still be going on. I hope everybody realizes that, okay? Not, nothing's yeah. easy and nothing stays forever. As, as we learn, you've got to keep the, keep, keep the idea alive, and that's what we're trying to do here, okay? So 60 years ago, let's, let's do this, Jack. What was going on 60 years ago, 1963, and I'll remind everybody, was the year, a terrible year, in that uh, – uh, some good things happened, a lot of bad things happened, and of course President Kennedy was assassinated. Okay, so it was a kind of crummy year. I when I think back on it, it wasn't a great year. Let's talk about what was pivotal in the civil rights history of it. All right, uh, and Larry, I'll just mention uh, so your uh, listeners know I have a little bit of history cred. Yesterday was the seventy ninth anniversary oh, of, of D Day. You're right. Thanks, so, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Irritating my host say. right off the bat. <laughs> So <laughs> that concludes today's um, show. The host can't be wrong. Um, what that, what did I say? Did I say 80th? What did I say? Uh, 83rd, I yeah. Ooh, so ooh. I don't know where uh, I got I just, that. Sorry, gang. Seven sorry about that. Yeah. Um, yeah and yesterday, so, I just got to say this since you brought it up. Okay, my father-in-law jumped in behind the lines on D-Day. He was a, a paratrooper. Okay, lived through the ordeal, obviously, and. Um, Yesterday, Lloyd Austin spoke in Normandy, and there were still some veterans there. I don't know if they yes. were French or American or whatever, but they were still there. Okay, but we got to remember these guys. Okay, it was and women. There was really something back then. It was a huge day. Absolutely. History. Yeah. So anyway, back seventy nine. Uh, thanks, buddy. So, so back to nineteen sixty three, and the event, the anniversary that is actually coming up uh, on the eleventh. Some may have seen pictures of June the governor 11th, of Alabama. June 11th? At the, June, 11th? Ju, uh, yeah. June 11th. June okay, 11th. Yeah. There was um, the famous quote, stand in the schoolhouse door uh, by George Wallace. Later that night, there was an address by President Kennedy to the nation. And then even later than the Kennedy address and closer to midnight, maybe even a little bit after, one of the heroes of the civil rights movement, Medgar Evers, was assassinated yeah. in Jackson, Mississippi. So let's take those one at a time. Is that okay, Larry? That all yet yeah, is, and that all happened on June 11th, 1963. It did. All those events happened oh, on June 11th, 1963. Oh my God! I didn't um, know that. Wow. Yeah, I, I forgot that um, anyway. Wow. So. Wow. Uh, Obviously, the context for the schoolhouse door stand by George Wallace goes back to uh, 
1954 Brown versus Board of Education that talked about uh, um, uh, separate but equal goes away. We have to begin to integrate our schools. And that happened very slowly in, in the South. I mean, the year before, there were riots at the University of Mississippi in 1962 where yeah. uh, two people were actually killed. And George Wallace had been inaugurated as the governor of Alabama in January of 1963, and he vowed to uh, promise for segregation now, segregation yeah. tomorrow, segregation forever. Yeah. Uh, these two students, Vivian Malone and James Hood, by court order were admitted to the university. Uh, the court had to... The University of Alabama. It wasn't the registrar's office um, saying you're admitted. And Wallace was not going to put up with that. He uh, had vowed uh, to fight for uh, uh, segregation continuing, and he basically defied uh, an order to um, have them register at the school by literally standing in the door of Foster Auditorium, and I only emphasize Foster Auditorium because in the book, in the chapter that deals with the rest of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, which where the University of Alabama is, mm -hmm. now memorializes those two students, Malone and Hood, with a uh, memorial at the at Foster Auditorium. Well, wait, back is it a statue? The, is it a statue of the two of them, or what is the what is the how do they commemorate this? They, uh, there's a plaza there that uh, is named in their honor, and there are bronze plaques that are part of that plaza that not only um, honor them, but they also honor a woman who attempted to um, register in 1956, uh, becoming the first black to register there. And she was only in, in there for... Um, three days, and the university expelled her because they said they could not protect her. And her name is um, um, Authene Lucy Foster. Oh. And um, uh, so she is honored by, with a plaque at this uh, uh, Malone Hood Plaza that's in front of Foster Auditorium. And there's a clock uh, to the woman who was discriminated against in the mid-50s um, that I mentioned, Authene Lucy uh, Foster. So um, getting going back to the, just to complete the story, um, you know, Wallace stands in the schoolhouse door, the Kennedy administration attorney general, Nicholas Katzenbach, Asks him well, to move. By the he way, was, we keep saying schoolhouse door. This was a university school. This was a university. This was not that's a, right. an elementary school. Okay. Yeah. I but, mean, it was, it was basically yeah. George Wallace's language that he will stand in the schoolhouse door to prevent the uh, integration of schools in Alabama. So it, it, the, the event simply uh, gets the moniker, he stood in the schoolhouse door. But yeah. you're right. It's big. It's a it's a university uh, building called Foster Auditorium. Um, so Katzenbach uh, tells him to move. He doesn't move. Katzenbach was Kennedy the attorney Nash general. Yeah, 
Nicholas yeah. Katzenbeck. The general, he the attorney general. Nationalizes yeah. the, um, uh, federalizes rather the National Guard, and four hours after Katzenbeck's uh, encounter with Governor Wallace, the now nationalized uh, head of the National Guard in Alabama uh, goes to the governor and says, you know, with, with, he actually says, with great sadness, I'm going mm-hmm. to ask you to move. And uh, yep. Alabama uh, governor uh, gets out of the way. Um, and the two students who had actually signed all the, the papers at another location uh, outside of Tuscaloosa that morning basically went in and registered for classes and paid their fees. Um, uh, just a quick sidebar, because I know you're such a movie buff. Uh, <laughs> if you remember the, the scene in Forrest Gump where this event is kind of uh, replayed, so to speak, and yep. uh, uh, Vivian Malone, the uh, African-American student trying to register, she drops a book and guess who picks it up? Forrest Gump picks, exactly. picks up her book. He's, and he's, a, he's everywhere. He, he, was, That's he right. was everywhere. He was American history. Yeah, you know, point it's of the amazing, movie. Jack, when you talk about this, and we're talking to, you know, a lot of teachers weren't around when we were around 60 years ago, okay? And, um, you know, I, I, if you go to the University of Alabama today, okay, and you, you can't believe anything like this even happened. It, it's oh, exactly. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, un, it's, it's hard to fathom. Okay. Well, this is why happened. I think it's so important for yeah. parents and grandparents and teachers to take students and and their children and their grandchildren to places where yeah. it happens. Happen because I mean, when you tell a when it I happened. would tell my grandchild that you know uh, a black person couldn't go into this restaurant and order a hamburger. Or if yeah. they were getting on this bus with you, they had to sit in that section way at the back. Or your their father couldn't be hired in a department store to help people yeah. buy shirts and pants. You know, those were things that were part of America, particularly in the Jim Crow South. And, you know, thankfully, those kinds of uh, atrocities are, are not in place now, but they did happen. And... We have to remind ourselves about that. We can't just say, oh, well, you know, that was in the past. N- yeah, it was in the past, but we have to guard against the past uh, in ugly ways coming back at us. So, Well, you can, you can quote me. Those who forget the past are likely to repeat it. Yeah, I made that yeah. up. George Santiago stole it from me. Yeah. Let me write okay. that down right now. Yeah, please. I don't think anybody's ever heard it before. Okay. And, and it's it so, you know, you know, the other thing, Jack, and you just said something that was, that was fascinating. The, uh, the commanding general of the Alabama National Guard. Okay. And the, I don't know who it is, but the gentleman was probably a believer in segregation. Okay. He was certainly a, a, a you know, a, a good soldier, a patriot in that regard. But when it came time, for him to, to do what he had to do to follow orders from the federal government. Think about this. Okay. He went to the governor and said, you have to move. Okay. You must move. I, I don't like it, but you have to move. In other words, that general followed the orders of the federal government. Okay. Exactly. And if you think, and if and that's important because in the South, if you, everybody remembers, I don't know if you remember this, everybody, there was a civil war. They didn't like this federal government pushing them around. But this gentleman actually 
regardless of his stance and his internal feelings, did what he had to do. And that's an important point, I think, to make these days, okay, that they understood that this was their obligation to do it, whether they agreed with it or not, okay? And it's, it's, it's just an important little side side notice of, of, of what the whole thing was about. It's just amazing. And, and by the way, I have to ask you, the University of Alabama, this is interesting. It's not a state school, right? It's a private school, right? right? No, the yeah. University of Alabama is a state school. Oh, it is. Okay, thank you. Yes. Yep. Thank you. I didn't know yep. that. Actually, I just learned that. I didn't realize that. I thought it was a uh, private school. Okay, so that's good. That's why. That's why the governor could actually stand, stand in the way. Stand there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know. That I mean, because President Kennedy had been involved in issuing yeah. several orders along the way to try to facilitate this uh, the enrollment of those two students, he got on the national television network yeah, that same night, day. same yep, day, same day, um, and addressed to the nation. If you go to the JFK Library website, JFKLibrary.org, you can find the video of President yeah. Kennedy speaking. Yeah. It's only 14 minutes long, so it's definitely worth listening to because it's so relevant uh, to some of the things that we uh, are, are dealing with. I mean, President Kennedy's, one of my favorite uh, parts of this is he says we're confronted with a moral issue. That's, a, that's his quote. Yeah. And one that's as old as the scriptures and as clear as the U.S. Constitution, um, he asked the Congress to act. He said, you know, this is not where I want to quote him exactly. You know, he said something to the effect that this is not a problem to be left to the uh, over-exercising of police power, kind of referring to the incidents that happened in Birmingham, Alabama in April. And we've been maybe we should talk about that some a yeah, little bit today. Nineteen sixty-three again, okay? Right. It, it, it's but just amazing. It's, it's and, and you know, we have to say that it took we a should while. To... Yeah, it took, it took a while to convince Kennedy to actually act on all this because they were very concerned about the political impact. And it turns out they were right this way. Okay, okay. In the South, okay, it used to be the Solid South. They voted always Democrat because back when Lincoln was a Republican and he was the president on the opposite side of the Civil War. So it was always a oh. solid South Democrat. Okay. But when the civil rights movement hit and the Democrats, as they damn well should have and did, supported the civil rights movement nationally. Okay. That, that, that brought the, the Republicans over the course of the next uh, you know, couple of decades to prominence in the South. Okay, that that's that's why the South today is is mostly, if I may, red. Okay, because you know all this happened; it all changed. Yeah, I mean your history is is totally right on. Uh, uh, in, no, in no, no, not totally. I missed I missed the D Day D Day year. Yeah. Well, I can't do math. Yeah, we're, we're passive. We're, we're always forgiven there, Larry. I, I shouldn't Thanks, have brought Pat. it up, and I feel bad. Thanks, Pat. No, so, no, that's okay. I'll never live that down. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> You can edit this out. Um, so I'm not editing uh, anything. You know, go ahead. Oh, I mean, you know how thin his Kennedy's margin of victory was over Nixon. It was a very tight. So what you're, you're saying about 
I'm, I'm not even of, sure there was one, to be perfectly honest. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, yeah, the, you know, a lot of extra votes in Chicago, perhaps. Um, Chicago but he was West also Virginia, we're, we're feeling the pressure back. from the South. Yeah. He was Kennedy was feeling pressure from a, around the world, and his speech kind of uh, uh, confronts that. Um, uh, he, he, you know, America was t- telling everybody how terrific our country was and how bad communism was, yeah, exactly. and yet we have yeah, look what we're doing. a substantial part of the American public not being able to eat where they yeah. want, not being able to get Something. the kind of quality education that they deserve. And, so, who, fought in know, Kennedy, and who fought in World War II, just as bravely and et cetera, as, as every white person did. Okay? Absolutely. They fought, they, it's, sick. It's, it's, it's unbelievable when you think about it. It's absolutely... Like I always say, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to think that's the way it was. And it's not that long ago, but that's the scary part. It's not that long ago. 60 years and we're talking, you know, you talk to a talk to a 15-year-old kid, it seems like forever. But believe me, 60 years is not a long time. Okay? It's yep. not a long time at all. Okay? And that's what was going on. And, and, and after that, too. Um, it, well, what can I say? All right. I don't want to lose track of this. 19. 19- 63, that's Mississippi, that's Alabama, and, and more stuff continued. Okay, talk about so, what else happened uh, in let me, Alabama. Let me move. I know we're okay time-wise. Just keep going. I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the highlight. We're, we're fine. Yeah. Coincidentally, we're fine. I don't think it was because necessarily of uh, the Kennedy speech, but um, several hours after the Kennedy speech, uh, Medgar Evers is returning from a night of activism in Jackson where he's trying to organize uh, along the same lines as um, the Birmingham uh, campaign that it, uh, took place in April to try to bring more opportunity in jobs, more opportunity in education, just general civil rights to black Americans living in Jackson, Mississippi, and his life is snuffed out in his own driveway at um, uh, on Alexander Drive in in Jackson um, by a gentleman by the name of uh, should call him a gentleman, but uh, yeah. this guy named Byron Della Beckwith. And um, wow, I would have never remembered that one. Wow, yeah, I remember the he, name when you say it. Yep. If you if people do pick up my book, they will find Byron Della Beckwith. Appearing all over the place. I mean, Byron Della Beckwith uh, uh, was trying to go to to Oxford, Mississippi, in 1962 to take part in those riots that occurred that I referred to earlier when when uh, James Meredith was trying to enroll at the University of Mississippi. Just uh, justice was finally bought, brought to Byron Della Beckwith when he was a very old man. He did not. Uh, was right. convicted I remember that. of uh, several crimes that he committed until he was very old, and he did eventually end up and die in uh, the Parchment Prison in uh, in Mississippi. So, mm. um, in the book, um, you know, the Medgar Evers home, Medgar and Murley Evers home, is now a National Park Service site, and it's in the same looks the same as it did in the 1950s. You can 
you know, the, the book tells you um, more about what you'll see, but the bullet holes that went through the windows um, into the home where uh, Merle Evers and the children uh, were uh, thankfully protected um, from those bullets. Um, but Medgar Evers' blood is still visible on, in the driveway, and it's a very wow. moving sight to, to go to this home. You, you, you walk into the children's bedrooms, and your immediate reaction is, where are the beds? And the children slept on the floor because that would protect them if somebody took a shot, took a shot. through the window. Yeah. And it brings wow. you to the terror that these individuals, these leaders of the civil rights movement and their families experienced. So that, that event also happened uh, later that evening. It may have actually literally occurred slightly after midnight, but a very, uh, a very moving experience to go to his home. And uh, again, that's that and other things in Jackson because Jackson is one of the stops of those dozen cities that I mentioned that I highly yeah. recommend people take as they come in uh, contact with this important history. And, and by the way, Jackson today is, I, I, I believe, is mostly African American, and I believe the mayor is African American. Shows how things yes. have changed. Yes. Yeah, yes. Back to the mayor. I think, is, I think Mississippi. The mayor of Birmingham is also African American. Than any other state. Okay, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think, you know, Mississippi has more African-American black public officials than any other state. Look, look at the way things change. Okay. And hopefully yeah. for the better and their educate. I have to say this, by the way, since we're education talk radio, there's been a lot of write-ups these days about how Mississippi has really vastly improved their education system. Okay. And the schools in Mississippi, they're doing a great job down there. Okay. And that should, that should be noted. Okay, for all yeah. kids, for every kid. Okay, they're doing a really good job. All right, I've had the the, uh, the uh, superintendent of schools on the show here, the, the state superintendent of schools on the show here, and they 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 do a good job. Okay, and yeah. it's 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 and that's why you know look where we were, look where we are. It's it's just there, there's so much change, etc. Talk about what's going on again. Nineteen sixty-three, sixty years ago. Uh, big doings, and, and I want to make this point, big doings not only in the South, but also in Washington, D.C. Jack? Yes. Uh, so, of course, in August, uh, the 28th to be exact, of 1963, one of the largest demonstrations in American history occurs, peaceful demonstration um, in Washington, D.C., called the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. A lot of people just call it the March on Washington, but it's for Jobs and Freedom, which kind of defines some of the goals uh, of the march. Um, it's led by uh, uh, two men, Bayard Rustin and A. Philip Randolph. A. Philip Randolph is one of the veterans in the uh, quest for equality. He had been the uh, president of the sleeping car porters, the Pullman porters. Sure. sure. Uh, so he's very involved with labor, and that helped get big labor involved in this march. A. Philip Randolph is someone that um, we talk about in the book several places. Uh, it, it, we talk about him in the area that deals with Illinois, because in Chicago there's a museum called the Pullman Porter Museum that uh, we talk, we uh, 
would recommend people go to. There's a bust of him in the train station in Washington, D.C. Um, that uh, we, we highlight its location because of his involvement on the March on Washington. He had planned a March on Washington in the 40s when African-Americans were being discriminated against in jobs during World War II. Wow. You know, you scratch your head and go, we're, we're yeah. at war. We need all the people power we can get to, to uh, support the war effort. And there was uh, discrimination. And the march was called off because Franklin Roosevelt exi- uh, um, uh, issued an executive order to, to stop those types of practices. I, I apologize for getting off the track of the march on Washington. You're not off I'm, you know, when you start to it's talk tough. about it. links, it links up to so many other things. So the, uh, the march takes place, a quarter of a million uh, people, but there's a, there's a, and of course, the I Have a Dream speech, which uh, many people have heard, read, and should reread and re-listen to over and over again. Um, but I want to talk about a couple of things that people may not have ever heard about for the March on Washington. Um, First of all, that speech uh, from Dr. King went out over a sound system that was hastily put in place when the march was moved from the Capitol to the Lincoln Memorial. And (laughs) yeah, it was going to be on the Capitol and they thought it would be a better visual to have Lincoln in the background, and um, that was a suggestion of um, several of the labor uh, uh, unions involved. And they said, well, we've already got this, we need a better sound system than we have right now. So um, Walter Ruther, who is the president of the UAW, the United Auto Workers, uh, put up what today would be the equivalent of $200,000 and got a better sound system. It got in place, it was working, and then suddenly the night before the march, it, the day before the march, it wasn't working right. And they don't know what happened. Some people say it was sabotage. Some people say yeah. it just... Wow. Well, they, the, the people who were organizing freaked out. They called Robert Kennedy, and Kennedy got the U.S. Army Signal Corps to go in there and fix the sound system so we all got to hear the That's uh, words of Dr. King and, and the other speakers. Uh, wow. Women, I should point out, were not among the highlights. They weren't involved in the speaking roles in, in the uh, March on Washington as they should have been given their prominent place in wow. local organizing. But that's just uh, another important aspect of it. Um, they welcome to um, welcome to those times. Yeah. Yes. Jeez. Exactly. And another thing that you know, the the white establishment was really freaked out. The Kennedy administration was freaked out by a hundred, two hundred fifty thousand or more exactly. exactly demonstrators or marchers coming to Washington, and they expected they expected trouble. Um, the, I mean, I, 5,900 police were on active duty that day. They nationalized uh, the, the National Guard had 2,000 more, and the Pentagon had nine times that number in the suburbs ready if there were problems. 
They had banned all the liquor sales in Washington, D.C., anticipating trouble. The hospitals were unready. If you had an elective surgery that day, it was canceled. You were not going to get that surgery done. So everyone expected trouble. Even, and this is something you may remember, in 1963, the baseball team in Washington was called the The Washington Senators. That's right. Yeah. And they were about the worst team you could possibly I'm just imagine. Say they stunk. Yeah, they did. They stunk. But they canceled two games. They canceled ah, the day before the march that. and the day of the march. Two of their wow. um, midsummer uh, or early summer uh, baseball games. So they expected they expected trouble, and um, of course, uh, thankfully, none none came. Um, uh, wait a minute. I have to say something. I have to say something on that, and then, and then just put it in today's perspective. And Jack lives in Charlottesville. Okay, look what happened in Charlottesville a couple of years ago. Okay, what was it eight years, six years ago now? Whatever it is. Okay, when when, when those Nazis were moaning and groaning and, and went crazy with, with this with the statue of Thomas Jefferson, using that as an excuse, the violence, someone was killed. Okay, look at the insurrection of January 6th, okay, and how violent that became. People were killed, people were injured, people are going to jail. And compare that to what everybody was scared to death that the, quote, black people would, 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 would create all this violence. It just goes to show you the ridiculous stereotype, okay? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's it's yeah. just it's, it's disgusting, if I may be so bold. It's disgusting. Okay, yeah. and it is 60 one, years ago, and one people final, better come to grips with that. Yeah. One final thing on the March on Washington. So, yeah. and when I read this, I thought this is really um, one of the great aspects of the civil rights movement. That yeah, there were big name leaders in the civil rights movement, but there was um, people taking it upon themselves to act. So all the leaders of the March on Washington were meeting with congressional leaders, so it's leaders to leaders, uh, before this march was starting. And that meeting between the civil rights leaders and the congressional people went long, and all these people are standing at the Washington Monument ready, sorry, yeah, the Washington Monument, ready yeah, to yeah. walk onto the Lincoln Memorial. And the leaders don't show up. They begin the march without the leaders. I thought that was such a great thing to uncover and the the leaders eventually caught up and got in front of the 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 march uh, so the the photo ops would be there but i I felt it was so terrific that the people wouldn't wait they wanted to get this march underway for freedom and jobs so that'll be my last point on 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 the uh uh march on washington but i do encourage people to Listen to Dr. King's incredible uh, words. And and by, by by the way, I don't think we think of it that way this now. But D.C. back in the I think from the sixty from the seventies and backwards was considered a pretty much southern city. Okay, it was oh. a southern city. Yeah. I don't oh, think it's definitely. So southern, yeah. City. I mean, it, it's just interesting the way it all it all happened there. It's just it's. It, it you should really get somebody on uh, that, that really um, understands a lot more about civil war uh, and, and, and the placement of the capital uh, to talk about how strange it was or 
at least for one period of our history, to have the capital in Washington, D.C. I mean, in the Civil War, obviously, Virginia seceded from the Union. Yeah, Maryland exactly. and Maryland never... was touchy. Maryland was touchy. Yeah. And that's right. I mean, there was yeah. a plot to Nate Lincoln as he came to his inauguration that yeah. was based in Baltimore, Maryland. You know, so, I mean, um, there's just so much history that's so interesting to to think about and talk about and I, I appreciate you giving me the chance to But we're going to do, do more. That. We're going to do more come come the fall. I want to just keep this up with teachers. Okay, this is real Next. this is really important stuff. We are going to go now. Everybody it's travelingfreedomsroad.com. The book is terrific. Okay? And summer's coming. It's a great road trip. I mean, it really just makes history make makes a great history come alive. Okay, and we can't forget it, especially in these days, and you know what's going on these days. Jack, this was terrific, as always, buddy. Thank you. This is hey, great. Larry, thank you so much. Thank you to your listeners, and I hope we get the chance to do this again. We will, I promise. Okay? All right. John, John Hanrahan is the author, but let's call him Jack, okay? i got to say that, right, Jack? John, uh, that's great. Well, by Jack and by the all way, the why time. did you do that? That is my last question. Why did you do a John Hanrahan as the author? Instead of a jackhammer here, uh, I, I really don't have a good answer other than no, you don't. That, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's weird because John. most people know me as Jack, and yeah. I thought, you know, it's my given name. Uh, I will use my given name, and I. <laughs> 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 sort of like people who know you as John Hanrahan is the IRS, and you don't want them to even know you're alive. So there you go. Uh, you yeah, know? I, I, I really don't have a good reason for uh-huh. doing that. But you know, as I've told you in other programs, you know, I didn't plan on writing this book when I took this trip myself. I, my wife and I took this trip, and I came back. I talked about this. I got very passionate when I talked about it, and people said you should write a book. So I wasn't planning on writing a book. Fact that that wasn't part of the plan. Calling myself John wasn't part of the plan, so <laughs> it all works out. Yeah, it's great stuff. You did good, buddy. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you very you much. So much. We'll talk again soon. Okay, hey, be good, pal. Have a great day. Thank you for now. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Sixty years later, 2023. Jack did a great job on this. It's it, it, by John Hanrahan, but it's Traveling Freedom's Road, a guide to exploring our civil rights history. And you can get that anywhere. You can get books on Amazon, et cetera. You can go to travelingfreedomsroad.com. And I'm Larry Jacobs. Please see what we're doing all about equity in schools. It's still going on, folks. Every kid deserves a good education, access to the same education. All right. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. <laughs>